what's really exciting as well um, is the growth of the solopreneur market. There's more and more people kind of starting businesses by themselves and have the intention of leaving it by themselves as well. So like even in Entrepreneur Magazine, they say that the population of solopreneurs jumped 22% between 2019 and 2020, and it's expected to grow by 42% in the next six years. So there's a huge amount of people kind of striking out on their own now as well. And I think it's important that we kind of give them what they need as well. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Irish Podcast, a podcast all about celebrating Irish innovation and Irish innovators globally. I'm your host, Dave Byrne. Thank you for joining for this episode. You may hear it in my voice. I'm recovering from a little bit of a cold at the moment, so apologies for that. Don't worry, the interview itself, I don't sound like this. But I wanted to make sure I got the next two episodes out around St. Patrick's Day because they are very complimentary stories. For this St. Patrick's Day, I wanted to celebrate the unique relationship between Ireland and the USA. And the way I decided to do that was to interview two fascinating people. One who you're going to listen to next, Dermado Fahata. And his story is that he went to the U.S. and took some great ideas and thoughts, brought them back into a startup ecosystem in Galway. The second that you're going to hear in a couple weeks' time is Chris Walla, who actually came over from New York to work at Dogpatch Labs in Dublin and is now returning to the U.S., taking away some great ideas from Ireland about how to build up a startup ecosystem. So I thought these were two very complimentary stories of how both cultures are learning from each other and that the startup ecosystems benefit from each other. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to just drop you straight into the interview. Dermot, firstly, thank you so much for joining today on the episode. Like, really appreciate you taking out the time. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate being here today and excited to talk to you. Well, Dermot, I want to start because you actually met with the Digital Irish before when you were based out of New York. I actually want to take you back to where, you know, you actually made the move over to the U.S. Like, what was your inspiration behind coming over to the U.S. back in the day? It's always something I wanted to do, even when I was very, very young. And then when I was in University of Galway, you know, I became aware of the graduate visa. So I was like, oh, that looks like a really good opportunity to kind of go over there and kind of experience, you know, different things and kind of expand my career that way. Yeah, it's always been there. There's probably like influence of like TV here and everything like that. But there's definitely a pull for me to go over there. And there still is in terms of I'm still living here in Ireland now, but I feel my business will definitely have some presence over there at some point as well. Interesting to hear the, just the, the pull of the U.S. I, I mean, what were the opportunities there for you that you felt that at the time weren't maybe at your fingertips in Ireland? So for me, you know, my background was in business and then I specialized in information systems management. And then I did a master's in the same um, module as well. I kind of always felt comfortable within kind of the world that sits between business and tech. So that kind of always involved kind of product management or UX or project management, anything like that. 
I felt at that time in Galway, it was a bit limited in terms of the career opportunities that were here. I felt that a lot of the tech companies that were coming into Galway were offering customer service roles and stuff like that. And I kind of went into that and experienced it. And I knew it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I knew, you know, for New York that it had everything and anything I could ever need in terms of expanding my career, especially when it came to product management. And I was lucky that that's what I came across then once I did get a job. Um, that I was in a startup and I could kind of uh, build my skills within that startup as well. I want to talk about like obviously your experience of of trying to get over to the US because I know that there's many Irish people that are either looking for, you know, getting a visa to come over to grow their skills and to take some learnings. How was your experience getting a H-1B visa after coming over initially? How long did that process take? Like, what were some of the challenges and hurdles that you experienced? Well, first, it was the graduate J-1, the first one I was on uh, that initially got me over. Um, and that compared to the H-1B is a totally different ball game. With the graduate visa, it's pretty easy once you have your degree and you get all your documents together, like an immigration service that will kind of partner with you. And there was um, the Irish Immigration Centre, I think, up in Boston at the time that I went to. And they were very helpful and they kind of guide you through the process. Then once I started looking at the H-1B, it was a whole different ball game because you had to have the company basically invest in you in terms of like they had to apply for the visa. Not only that, it's also a lottery system as well. You know, that was kind of like a bit nerve wracking. Didn't get it the first time and then actually did get it the second time. But at that point, when it actually happened, you know, things had changed here at home in Ireland that I decided to stay, which is meant to be temporary, but turned out to be permanent in the end. But the H1B was definitely uh, a bit of a ringer to get through because there's so much uncertainties. Even if you have a company that's ready to sponsor you, you still have to go through the lottery system. And even after that, uh, there's back and forth with documentation and stuff. Um, but definitely, like once you have a good lawyer, and we did have a great immigration lawyer that kind of guided us through that whole process, it makes it a bit easier. But it's, it can be a bit daunting because you have no idea what the end result is going to be. That must be a little bit anxious as you're waiting on that end result and there's almost like that waiting period. Was that causing you kind of like anxiety in that moment? Yeah, because when, when I was applying for the H-1B with the company, like I really wanted it and I was got it the first time that I didn't get it. Um, and that meant that I did have to come home and wait for the second one uh, to go through the lottery. Yeah, it's very hard. And, you know, you're trying to kind of show that you have the skills necessary for the job as well and kind of prove that you're not taking jobs away from any American citizen and all of this. Yeah, it's kind of, you have to kind of stand your ground within it and stay confident in yourself and uh, what you're capable of and kind of just uh, go through it. Finding yourself in the US, how did your experience working in the US and in a startup environment impact your future decision to build a startup yourself? Um, it's a very interesting journey because when I went into the startup first, like I really didn't have any intentions before that to start my own company. And it was the same in college that like we did so many modules on entrepreneurship and starting your own enterprise and all of this. And I just had a need to go into a company and learn and grow, which is probably what I needed to do. So I never really thought of starting a company. But then once I was in it, 
um, especially in product management, because you really have your hands in everything and you need to be aware of the company as a whole. Like I was just fascinated by how everything kind of interconnected and how I had to be aware of marketing, sales, customer support, operations, finance, tech, everything in order to bring a new product or a new feature together and make it as successful as possible. So being in that kind of role really maybe got me thinking like that I was kind of developing skills that could be used in the future. But when I was with startup of, on the stage, I really didn't really have any thought of building my own thing. And I guess then when I moved back to Ireland, you know, I was working in the Portishead and it's only then that I kind of got exposed to a whole plethora of startups because it's a co-working space and people were doing all kinds of things. And I started learning about supports and how people went through the process, seeing the success and the failures. And that's kind of the point that it hit me that I could have a startup myself someday. But it's only because of all of the experience that I got in the US and in New York that it gave me all the skills that I needed to kind of go into that world and the confidence as well, I guess. That's excellent to hear. And quite inspirational as well that you kind of got that uh, that knowledge and the experience going abroad to expand your expertise. Like this is a great example of that. You mentioned that you came back to Ireland and you started working in the uh, Porter Shed. Firstly, I'd love to, uh, for those who don't know what the Porter Shed is, if you could quickly give us an overview of what the Porter Shed is and why this was such a great environment to kind of start experiencing what it would be like to kind of start your own business. Portishead is a co-working space, but I feel it's so much more than that. Like it's such a community and it's a culture in itself now as well here in Galway. It, it was kind of developed by a group of people who were entrepreneurs themselves in Galway. And uh, when they saw that, you know, multinationals were, were passing on Galway because they couldn't find the proper space for them to locate themselves in the city. And um, as you know, Galway is quite small in the city centre. So a lot of big companies would tend to gravitate towards the suburbs or kind of industrial estates, which isn't really attractive for maybe multinational companies who want to attract the right talent and the right people that if it's outside of the city centre, it's harder to get people out there. So they, uh, the Porter Shed then was kind of established and there is even like a, a parent board, I'm not sure what you called it, called the Galway City Innovation District. And there's amazing people on that that's kind of driving the vision for Galway in terms of making it a great space to create technology startups and other businesses. So it's amazing because uh, when I was in it first in 2018, we were down in Air Square. Um, it used to be a derelict storehouse that Guinness had, I believe. And so that was totally gutted and renovated. And now we have two other properties now in the city centre. We have Portershed in Bowling Green, another one across the road uh, where the old Cal Tribune printers used to be. So it's just expanding and growing and just seeing the amount of events and everything that's happening and growing out of the Portershed is uh, really great and just gives you so much hope as well to kind of move forward. And just for myself, you know, it's just so invaluable as someone who's starting out because there's so many experienced people working here as well who can kind of give you mentorship and advise you at different stages. And then there are people that are at the same stage as myself. And that's great as well, because I get to kind of see what they're going through and commiserate with each other or congratulate each other when good things happen. So it's amazing. It just really kind of has created a whole culture of startup in Galway that maybe I wasn't aware of before, but they really put kind of the highlight on that, that it was a possibility here in Galway. This was actually a question that I wanted to ask you, because 
you know, obviously when you left Ireland for the US, you were looking for that growth and experience and increase in expertise. But then, you know, coming back, you have things like the the Porter Shed. Was that a kind of a a big change or evolution that you saw within the ecosystem in Galway for, for startups? Or what kind of changes did you see happening in Galway between the time that you moved to the US and the time that you came back? I guess it's about the variation. I felt beforehand, you know, there were companies coming in. And like I said, a lot of them at, at that time for jobs that, that was maybe applicable to me, they were kind of, they were kind of in that customer support and uh, something like that. And anything else that was outside of that kind of and the business side within tech, such as business analyst or project management or product management, they weren't really in Galway at the time. And now I feel there's bigger companies coming in from various sectors and they're just bringing along like a huge amount of diversity and variation when it comes to job opportunities. So even by the, for the whole time I've been in Portishead, I've seen the likes of Rent the Runway come in. We've had globalization partners. We've had Diligent come in and I've seen how much they've been hiring in the past few years now. And the variety of jobs they have as well and their jobs that I could go for as well and put my hat in a ring for. And, you know, that's really a comforting thing to see that they're here in the west of Ireland and not necessarily all in Dublin either. That is kind of growing out and expanding across the country. So that's great. I love that. And one thing that I've heard time and time again is that Ireland is obviously not only a, a place where there's a, a booming ecosystem. It really is being decentralized from Dublin as well, that it's it's all over the country. It's really so, uh, something that you can start seeing fostering. It sounds like that that's kind of what you're seeing in Galway as well. The opportunities there are just uh, are thriving at the moment. 100%. And I think the thing with Galway, you always feel as well that you're kind of like, we're on the edge of Europe, where we can also easily reach out to the world. So even from Galway, you know, it's an hour down to Shannon, uh, to go over to New York. It's an hour up to Knock Airport and then go to Heathrow, London. Like it's so easy to navigate on an international scale as well and kind of move that way. Yeah, even though it's it's a great base, you still feel you kind of, you can expand from here as well, which is a huge difference. I'd, I never thought that possible years ago when I finished college that that would be kind of an option for me. So I want to like touch on your kind of experience in getting involved in this ecosystem. So firstly, I know that one thing that you had done in New York City was you had attended events called Empathy Jams. For those who don't know what these are, would you mind explaining them and what you kind of took from them and brought back to Ireland with? Yeah, so Empathy Jam, um, there's two kind of major ones I went to. They're basically UX hackathons. So hackathons are very popular within the coder development community where they kind of come together, whether it be for a full day or full weekend, and they kind of work on a challenge together and kind of have some kind of output at the end of it. Usually there's like prizes and stuff like that. So I was kind of on the lookout because when I moved over to New York, I wanted to experience new things, meet new people. So I'd often go on to a meetup or Eventbrite and I saw Empathy Jam come up and I was like, oh, this looks really cool. On the day we were in Fordham University, um, just beside Central Park there, and we started out the day by forming groups and then we were given a challenge. And I believe ours was about um, the effects of automation on uh, workers in certain industries. Um, and then we had to like brainstorm together, kind of test our assumptions, see 
what we knew, what we didn't know, do some research on the laptop together. And then we were actually kicked out and told to talk to people on the streets because the whole goal of the day was to exercise the muscle of empathy, basically, and to get you to form human connections, learn from actual people and not be relying on assumptions. So after we had talked to people on the streets, we went into Central Park, actually, and got to talk to people. And it was great because it was a nice sunny day. So people were in the mood to be sharing and everything. We kind of came back to Fordham University and we were there kind of looking through the insights that we learned from that. And then we had to put a prototype together based on what we learned. And then once we had the prototype, which is a low fidelity one made on paper, but then transferred onto an app, we went out and tested that again with more people to kind of reinforce were we on the right path or not. So that was really exciting. And it was something I was always passionate about, but it really kind of built it into my ethos afterwards that anything I did had to be kind of human centered. We shouldn't be really working on assumptions when we have customers who can give us, you know, the insights and the answers we need so we can give them the best value possible and the best solution possible. I really love that experience. And so when I moved back to Ireland in 2018, then I partnered up with uh, two lecturers from the University of Galway in the field of UX, and we put together our own Empathy Jam. And thankfully, we got the blessing of the Empathy Jam group in New York as well. And uh, they were delighted that it was going overseas and expanding. We had, we had our first Empathy Jam in Galway in the Portishead as well, actually, in 2018. And in 2019, it kind of grew again. Then with COVID, unfortunately, we had to go online. We're still good, but... Um, it was a pity that we couldn't, you know, engage with people on a one-to-one uh, perspective. But then this year we we're back again and better than ever. And we were in the brand new Portishead as well, which gave us more room. So it's amazing because um, a lot of the people that sign up to it are actually students because one of my co-organizers, uh, Murath Hogan, uh, she teaches a module on UX through the Karen's Business School. She kind of gives it as an option, as an assignment. So we have lots of students signing up for that purpose. And it's just amazing to see people come in at the start of the day, not having any idea what's going to happen, and then leave with, with a completely different perspective at the end of the day, knowing that they can just talk to people easily now and learn you know, what those people do, what's the behavior, what, what's their life like. So when they're building solutions, they have their stories at the palm of their hand and they can you know, succeed in building successful solutions after that. We're hoping to continue on with that legacy now and hosted it and hosted in November now again. Not only that you took, you know, something that you experienced in New York, but you've brought it back over and you've made it grow and thrive, which is fantastic to hear. Yeah, and we were so lucky as well that, you know, that industry leaders in Galway were so happy to help out as well because we have uh, people who work in UX in Galway join us as well on the day as mentors. So they kind of help the teams navigate the day, put together their user interviews, and then we have um, companies as well who support us financially for the likes of the lunch on the day or for the uh, location or whatever else we may need. So we've had amazing companies in Galway supporting us in the past few years as well. So it's great. It's great to see it growing. Of course, you're, you're doing these empathy jams, but, you know, one of the other things that you're doing, and this is where we should pivot over to Tanta. Could you explain to us what is Tanta and like what kind of inspired you to set up Tanta? Tanta at the moment, it's a unified inbox with CRM functionalities. 
So what that means is that uh, at the moment you can integrate with Gmail and Instagram and have one inbox to manage all of your incoming messages. And with that as well, there's the automation of your customer profiles. So to give you context of where this came from, um, my partner, Finbar McHugh, he's an artist here in Galway. And it's only because of the lockdowns that I had to work from the kitchen table and Finver was beside me. And I could see one day when it was uh, selling um, a new collection he had released, which was like a mini collection of paintings, um, which was very useful at the time because he could only post small things in the post. So he started promoting it on Instagram. And for each new uh, Instagram post he was putting up, he could be getting like between 10 and 20 new conversations in terms of DMs. And not only that, like some people who were maybe talking to him previously after buying maybe another painting or were just talking to him about another matter, they would kind of use the communication channel they were used to. So they might send him a WhatsApp saying, oh, I love that piece, that piece you had up on Instagram. Do you have anything similar to it? And then other people would go through the website and email him. So I could see all of these messages coming in from everywhere. Um, and I asked him, oh, how are you, are you getting on with managing all of those? And he was like, I'm not. <laughs> he was like, I'm, I'm struggling a bit, to be honest. I'm forgetting to reply to people. People are only getting responses two weeks later because I come across them randomly. And so after that, I was like, I'll look for a solution for you because it's like there must be something out there um, for the likes of you, you know, a one person team wearing all the hats, um, especially an artist as well. So I started going into my product management research mode. And I like, as you know, there's like so many CRMs on the market. You know, everyone knows about Salesforce and HubSpot. Um, but the more I kind of looked into it, the more I saw these, um, these apps and these businesses, they were kind of created for, you know, SMBs and for people that had to sit down and kind of learn the capabilities of them and then apply them. And I was like, no artist or solopreneur is actually going to do that. Um, I think they're more likely just going to like push on with what they're using and hope for the best as opposed to, um, go into something else. And even the language that's used in a lot of applications for business, they're very sales-minded and business-minded. And while you know they're there for that purpose, it still doesn't meet the need of the people who have a very simple need, such as artists. So that's when I started doing a whole uh, pile of user research. So I talked to loads of artists in Ireland, UK, US, Germany. Uh, I just started learning about their life, like what they did every day, how they sold their art, where their pain points were. And so like I've talked to easily 120 artists at this point in those regions. Uh, so it gave me a good idea of what to build, which is the unified inbox uh, where you can manage all of your Instagram DMs and your Gmail in one place. Uh, we hope to expand what you can integrate within the future as well. Um, and now we're kind of looking at um, other functionalities such as AI, because it's kind of the buzzword at the moment, but all for good reason, because it's becoming a lot more democratized um, to kind of make Thunta a helping hand for artists and solopreneurs in general, where once they log in, they're not overwhelmed by the number of emails, but they're more so guided through what to address um, as priority and what to address as later, because I think that's where a lot of the issues come in. There's no context given to their inbox when they go into it. And therefore they feel overwhelmed or they kind of maybe leave it and maybe avoid it. And that's not good for business. So yeah, our goal really is to come in and give um, 
give artists and solopreneurs the clarity they need to um, answer their messages and increase their sales and help them reclaim their time as well. Talking about artists and solopreneurs, like it, it really feels like that a lot of these products that are existing in the market, they've kind of almost neglected the person that may not have like the funding behind them, may not have like a team behind them. I'm just thinking about the fact that you yourself as an entrepreneur, I imagine that many others are starting off in an entrepreneurial way on their own without funding, without teams, that this could be something that could be really powerful in like the ecosystem that you're in, like where there's so many innovators and entrepreneurs coming to market, you know? A hundred percent. And what's really exciting as well um, is the growth of the solopreneur market. There's more and more people kind of starting businesses by themselves and have the intention of leaving it by themselves as well. Um, so like even in Entrepreneur Magazine, they say that the population of solopreneurs jumped 22% between 2019 and 2020. And it's expected to grow by 42% in the next six years. So there's a huge amount of people kind of striking out on their own now as well. And I think it's important that we kind of give them what they need as well. Um, and one of the things that really interested me as well when I was doing the user interviews is um, one artist in particular, she was like, oh, you do know most artists um, have dyslexia. So I was like, what? <laughs> and she kind of went into like this whole research paper that she came across and I Googled it and I found there's multiple of them. And this kind of came out that um, these researches they've done in universities where they had art colleges, they found that artists were more likely to be on the scale of dyslexia than the general public, where six out of 10 would be on the scale of it in art college, but in general public, it'd be one out of 10. So that really feeds into kind of like the design and the UX of Tunta as well. We're trying to make it as easy to use and as functional. And that could be as simple as having proper fonts that people can read easy and have enough negative space around us. So you're kind of like showing the proper information at the right time. But as a whole, I think that's very important in general when building online solutions, because I think we've packed so much into uh, developing applications in the past few years that we're just used to having an overload of information coming at us. Um, so our goal really is to kind of like start producing that and just give the essential um, information and the essential design that would make it easy. So when you do go in and use the likes of Tunta, that it feels like you're at ease, like you're in your flow, as opposed to feeling that you're behind the second you open the page. A quick pause in today's podcast to let you know that the Digital Irish are going to be doing live events in London and New York this spring and summer. So if you're in New York or London, please do check out www.digitalirish.com for more information about those events. You can sign up to our mailing list. You can also email hello at digitalirish.com if you're looking to get involved or if you want more information. But do keep an eye out for those events. We're really excited to see people in person and to bring you inspiration from some of Ireland's innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs. Hope to see you there. Now back to the interview. I, I didn't realize the growth in solopreneurs. That's incredible to hear. Um, and like, 
you know, the, the figures that you were giving there just makes me think like, you know, the thinking, uh, what, uh, what kind of support is in place for them? I'd love to hear your experience of like the kind of the support that you had and, you know, what your experience was building a startup in Ireland, you know, like what organizations are there to help? Like, what are the institutions that could be potentially approached if you have a startup or a great idea? 100%, yeah. So the first um, organization I engaged with was the local enterprise office, and they're based in every county around Ireland. So mine was here in Galway. So I got my very first mentor through um, the local enterprise office or the LEO. And that was great because it was the first time I kind of went through the business model canvas uh, with the business idea. And that was a great foundation then to kind of share it with more people and kind of build on the idea through that way. And then um, last year as well, I got the feasibility grant uh, to continue the research and development phase of Punta as well. So that's amazing. So they provide a grant where you can spend up to 25,000, I believe, I can get 60% of that back. So I can reclaim up to 15,000 in total, which is great really at this stage where I'm kind of in heavy development mode. Um, then a level uh, above that then kind of you have Enterprise Ireland and they provide a whole uh, plethora of supports as well. So the first one would be New Frontiers and New Frontiers is broken into three phases. The first one is phase one and that is kind of a six week um, program and usually it's kind of you go in and afterwards you should be able to say I'm going ahead with this enterprise or I'm not it kind of gives you that clarification by working in groups with mentors through workshops and all of that and then phase two then is kind of when you're at the stage where you're maybe trying to expand on the idea more maybe build the MVP or whatever and that comes with a 15,000 stipend as well to support you for the six months you're on it so I did phase one and phase three with New Frontiers here in Galway um, and then if you're lucky enough, there's a phase three as well, where it's kind of an extension of phase two, where you get an extra three months of support through the program as well. So that's great to have. Um, then if you're kind of looking for additional money, they have the competitive uh, startup fund, I believe it's called the Pre-Seed uh, Competitive Startup Fund now. So you can either apply for a 50,000 investment or 100,000 investment from Enterprise Ireland. So that's a kind of a competition, really, where you kind of go stages of application and multiple interviews before it's awarded to you. Um, and that comes in the form of a convertible note. Um, and then a few years ago, um, the NDRC, um, they kind of put a new structure together. So Dogpatch Labs up in Dublin, they are kind of uh, the main hub. And then we have all of the regional hubs then, uh, including the Portishead in Galway, Republic of Work in Cork and the RDI hub in Kerry. So they together provide uh, different supports. So they have office hours every week where you can just talk to um, uh, the people who work within um, each of those hubs and they can kind of guide you in a direction or give you advice. They get Founders Weekend that happens every few weeks where you can go to the event, whether it's in Dublin, Galway, Cork, Kerry, um, and kind of expand your idea, learn about pitching more and all of that. And then they have the uh, pre-accelerator, which is also, I believe, is a six weeks to kind of go through uh, different stages of what the business is and kind of learning what you should be doing at each stage, which is which is great because you meet a lot of people from the tech industry as well. And um, uh, I did that one as well. And it was just great to meet a new network of people that could guide me in the right direction and who also worked in tech. 
So I found that extremely beneficial. Um, and then they have the accelerator program, which I haven't got on, but it's nice to see that that option is there kind of in the future. And the accelerator runs twice a year and you get an investment of 100,000 euros in the form of a safe note. Um, so I believe you do three months of kind of intense like workshops, working with mentors and stuff. And then you have three months where kind of you're let off in, on your own, but you kind of touching base with your mentors and everything along the way as well. So um, they're kind of the ones that I'm aware of at the moment, which is great. Um, Intertrade Ireland, I found them really good as well. They do a lot of free workshops online when it comes to the likes of, you know, equity, getting investment, all of that. Um, I applied for their seed corn competition last year um, and I got uh, shortlisted in the first phase, but didn't get beyond that. But it was amazing to see that, um, you know, what part of the application was to submit a business plan and they give, you know, feedback on the business plan as well um, if you've been shortlisted. So even to get, you know, into something like that and get third party expertise on the likes of a business plan, it's such a great opportunity because you're for the likes of me, I'm, I'm working by myself at the moment. Uh, it's kind of hard something when you're in a bubble. So to see people giving you like their own insight, looking in at you, it's just invaluable at this point. I think that's such a great lesson for entrepreneurs and specifically solopreneurs as well, that these, these networks can not only be valuable in, in regards to, you know, trying to figure out investments uh, in the future, but also just to kind of share knowledge and learn from each other and, uh, you know, hear what else is going on in the ecosystem for inspiration. It's, it's really fantastic to hear that this is so vibrant at the moment in Ireland. Yeah. And I've met so many people like that's on the same journey as me now. And it's just great to like check in sometimes, even just for like a mental health check for people to be able to say, oh, it's really, it's a really bad week, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's great because even if you're having a good week and someone else is, they're having a bad week, it's usually the other roles reversed. So you can always like empathize with the other person. And it's just great to know that people are having similar experiences and people have gone through it before and people can guide you through it as well and give you maybe solutions or navigate you to the best person that can help you out of that hole that you're in at the moment. It's fantastic. I, I love, I love hearing this. It, it's actually quite inspirational because you know, you always, um, you always hear of like the stories of like the, you know, the entrepreneurs struggling against like uh, the tide. And it's fantastic to hear that there's just such this, this great network. And, you know, one thing is that you mentioned Dogpatch Labs. Actually, the great thing is we're going to be having Chris Walla on the episode after this one um, to talk about his experience. And what's funny, Dermot, is he had the opposite to you. He actually uh, w moved from New York to Ireland and then back to New York. Okay. Um, so this is kind of a nice theme. We're going to have like a nice like back to back here uh, for the listeners to kind of hear the the two different experiences, but very much in the same ecosystem. It's fantastic. Um, but I'd love to pivot right back to Tonta now, because like, you know, you gave us a, a teaser of like um, what it is and who you're hoping to connect with. But um, I'd love to hear more about, you know, the success to date, like, like how you've, uh, how you've seen uptake of uh, of the service and, you know, what you're kind of excited about as a result of this. 
Yeah, well, I guess the, the, the best success for me at the moment has been the learnings. We're still very much at the very early stage. And, you know, I learned the hard way that when you go into a startup, you should estimate that things will take three times as long that you expected. So I, I expect it to be it's completely up and running at this point. But uh, as I learned going through the development process, there were obviously bumps in the road that we had to uh, deal with. And we did, which is great. But um, it was towards the end of last year that, you know, we got everything sorted. Uh, we got the integrations approved with Gmail and Instagram, which allowed us to kind of go into the test phase. So I had around 10 people start the test phase. And it's kind of eight people that then that were kind of carried it through to the very end. Um, and they were kind of the artpreneur um, persona that, you know, I'll be going towards once this is kind of going out onto the market. So these are artists who already have established businesses and they're quite well known in their field. And, you know, the art is their primary uh, revenue stream. Um, so it's great to have them tested because uh, it really kind of got a lot got rid of a lot of assumptions that I had. I thought that the MVP I had would be able to go out there and sell immediately. But the more I saw people using it and the more feedback I got, I learned there isn't enough here yet. Um, and what's interesting as well is um, when I started off building Thump at the very beginning, I had this idea in my head that, you know, it's going to function almost like a helping hand like that you have an assistant beside you at your desk in your studio and it's helping you along manage your business and I felt like you know a software is not going to do all of that that it can't achieve the same thing as ever as, a, as an assistant sitting next to you but it's like it can help you some of the way and I thought this was going to be something far away in the future like in the next two or three years but then in in the past few months with chat GPT coming along it made it a lot more exciting because uh, it comes with a lot of capabilities that I'm looking for in terms of helping the artists. So at the moment now we're looking at um, implementing AI so that we can tell artists, oh, you have, for example, seven new messages, but two of these should be highly prioritized because the, the people have intention to buy. So we want to kind of help with the decision making so that when people go into Tonta, that they don't feel like, oh God, there's so much to do here. There's like a full inbox and I don't know where to start and I don't know how long it's going to take. But with the likes of AI now and, you know, ChatGPT is kind of like everyone knows about it, but there's so many other packages that have kind of developed out of that as well. And it, it's, it's giving us a lot of uh, food for thought at the moment. So I'm working with another developer at the, at right now here in Galway to kind of uh, tease the idea to see where it could come in. Um, so it's really exciting to see that. So we're kind of going into um, development mode again soon. We're kind of researching with the people that did the test phase with the MVP last year again with prototypes and mock-ups to see if the ideas we're toying with are going to be of value or not or how we should pivot that design. Um, and then hopefully going to, um, into March then that we'd be going to development mode again. And hopefully shortly after that, we, that we can kind of really go out into the market with confidence and sell it. Um, knowing that, you know, our target market have tested it and approved of it as well. And you mentioned you're working with a developer in Galway. Again, this just feels like another great example of like um, being able to kind of use the network that's available to you, you know? Exactly. And the, the initial development has been done so far by a group over in Poland, and they were recommended by my Enterprise Ireland mentor. And they've been amazing at putting together the MVP and kind of guiding me through the whole process. And 
they're really amazing. Um, but then I was talking to Rob here in the Portishead recently, and he just kind of passed on uh, yesterday another solution that I could potentially use. So it's kind of good to be toying the idea with other people and them to be bringing ideas. So that's great because, you know, that's not something that I was aware of beforehand. So now I'm looking at um, this other solution, which is kind of like a plugin and could do everything I need and be much more cheaper than what I initially expected than if it was like a custom coded solution. So yeah, it's great just to have people that you can meet and that they can kind of give you value that you didn't even expect either, to be honest. That's fantastic. You know, it, it's, it's fantastic to kind of hear how you've, um, how you've kind of taken the learnings that, you know, you found when you were in the U.S. Um, and then brought them back to Ireland, came into, you know, the, the Porter Shed and really built up the, your business now. And like you're using this network that's available to you um, to create something because, you know, you've identified this gap. It really feels like this is just such a solid example and something that a lot of entrepreneurs can uh, can learn from as well where you know the expansion of knowledge the networking that you've done the making sure that you're connecting with others has really opened up a lot of opportunities for you to kind of really then build out tanta for the future yeah 100% and even like going back to your very first question about was I inspired by working over in the US to have my own startup like like initially it wasn't like I said but then at the same time you know with on the stage I was looking at how we were building a technology solution for the creative arts um, and you know arts itself and kind of theater and everything was always something I was very interested in and I never really thought that I'd be uh, in the place that I'm in now to kind of build a company similar to kind of where on the stage is in terms of providing great software for people that are in the creative arts, people that are kind of maybe a bit neglected sometimes because they're maybe seen to be a bit difficult because of their creative tendencies. But I feel it's such a rewarding place to be in as well, um, in that space as well, because everyone deserves to kind of experience the benefits of technology and to make it work for them in the right way as well. So um, yeah, it's really exciting to be doing that. Amazing stuff. And, you know, we heard a lot about the development work that you're doing on Tanta and like, you know, uh, I, I'd love to hear, you know, what are your hopes and aspirations for Tanta over the next, um, over the next like two, three years? Yeah. So our beta target market is the entrepreneur market. So um, I guess to give clarification of who they are, because when I started to talk about artists first, the beginning of this journey, people assumed it was people who apply for grants and who rely on such aids to kind of remain an artist, but not make much money. But the entrepreneurs, they're people who are very much entrepreneurial in their approach to building their art business. They're looking to have a sustainable sales funnel. They're looking to scale their business. They're looking to go into multiple markets and multiple mediums. So they're the kind of people I'm looking at because they're the people who want to go beyond where they're stuck at. And so it's exciting to go into that market because, you know, um, over the past few years with, you know, Instagram, it's a huge place now where um, artists sell. Um, if you look at the Art Basel UBS report, you know, the vast majority of collectors now actually discover artists and actually buy art as well through Instagram. So it's important that they're aware that, you know, people are looking at their work there and looking to buy as well. So 
I'm really excited to kind of take hold of the entrepreneur market and give them the best solution possible to manage their incoming uh, sales communications. Um, then beyond that, you know, I see there's a lot of other segments that are very similar to the entrepreneurs, and I call them the solopreneurs. They're one-person teams, one-person businesses. They're wearing all the hats in the business. They're doing quite well, but they just need that extra helping hand to manage incoming messages. Um, so I'm looking at the likes of you know, business coaches, life coaches, beauticians, um, you know, people like that who rely on being visible and who rely on engaging with people through multiple channels to have a healthy sales funnel. So it's really exciting to see where that would bring me. I'm kind of in early research at the moment doing user interviews with people in those other segments. But for the first launch, uh, it'll be focused on the entrepreneur and offering them the best service first and then expanding out into further segments afterwards. And speaking of entrepreneurs, because you're also uh, doing advisory sessions for visual artists. Um, what are these advisory sessions and how can visual artists benefit from them? Um, I guess I saw like from my own skills as a product manager that there's a lot I could offer there as well. And, um, you know, I always assumed when I knew something such as like, you know, oh, you can use Miro for your whiteboarding sessions online or you can use Asana for project management. You know, I thought that was all, you know, common knowledge. But then the more I talked to people and would give them tips while I was talking and talking to them, they'd be like, oh, that's really interesting <laughs> and things like that. So then I was like, oh, there is an opening there. And I also felt like, you know, I'm very fortunate as, you know, a tech entrepreneur that I have so many supports for me, whether it's Enterprise Ireland or the NDRC or whatever else. And I feel like other fields like the arts don't have that same luxury, really. So I'm trying to just like for the community that I'm kind of serving at the moment, that they have that other extra outside perspective that can help them, whether it's kind of giving them a holistic business review or looking at how their website is put together, is their sales funnel. Um, optimized to the way it should be. So that's kind of um, the way I work with the advisory sessions. And it's very unique to every person as well, because they might be at a different stage, have different needs or have a different skill set um, that works very well for them. But maybe they're lacking something else then that I can come in and give them some guidance for as well. Amazing stuff. It's fantastic to hear. Uh, just not only are you kind of building this product, but you're... Um, you're really giving back to the community as well with these advisory sessions. It, it really, it, it, if I'm, if I'm totally honest, like it's a great uh, story of you uh, building a network, but contributing back to a network as well. It's, it's, um, it's really inspiring to hear. I love hearing this, Dermot. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of inspiring for me to be working with the artists as well, because the people I'm talking to, they've basically gone through what I'm going through right now because I'm alone working on this business. They, they've been alone working on their business. So they've been kind of supporting me as well as I've been going through this. So it kind of works both ways, I guess. Fantastic stuff. And again, I think you, you've just had so many great lessons for other entrepreneurs like listening to this. That's another great one where, you know, you can all learn from each other and all benefit from each other. Um, but thinking about the network and thinking specifically about the Digital Irish Network, is there anything that uh, our audience could uh, could help you with? Is there anything that you're working on right now that you're keen to, um, you know, get some more knowledge on or get some support on? Yeah, 100%. I guess the first thing would be 
um, you know, no matter where you're based, if there's any artists that you know, you know, send them my way because I'm constantly doing user interviews and I'll do that for the rest of the journey of this business because I think it's so important to continue learning about your user base and to really have um, your finger on the pulse of well of what's happening. So if you know anyone, send them my way. I'm more than happy to kind of do user interviews with them and to learn more. Um, so that's something I'm always asking for. I guess if anyone as well is interested in the journey, just have a chat with me. Like at the moment, I'm bootstrapping this as much as I can, but definitely I see myself within the next year or so going out for investment as well. But, you know, I will be very careful of who I will be bringing on board as well. I do have an amazing advisor who kind of is helping me through this as well. Um, and I want people that will be aligned with the vision and the value of the company as well. Um, so that's important. So it's only now that I'm kind of like getting out and talk to people about potentially, you know, getting on board in the future for an investment or whatever, uh, because I really want to know the people that do come on board um, and make sure that we kind of match each other and our values as well. So, um, yeah, they're kind of my two asks. So if anyone's interested, um, yeah, they can reach out to me at any point. Amazing stuff. And, you know, if people do want to reach out to you, uh, where can our audience learn more about the work that you're doing? Sure. Well, um, at the moment, if they're looking at Tonta, you can find Tonta, which is T-O-N-N-T-A dot I-O. Uh, that's our website there. Um, you can also find me at Dermot at Tonta dot I-O. Um, you can also find that on the contact form as well or LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn as well if anyone wants to send me a message or connect there as well. Fantastic stuff. Well, Dermot, I just want to thank you so much uh, for taking out the time. Um, this has been really uh, interesting chat, really inspiring to hear your journey. And as I mentioned, just so many great learnings for other solopreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general. Um, best of luck with Tonta. Like, please do send us on details of the November Empathy Jam, once you have those, we'll also make sure to get those out to our community. But for now, just thank you again for taking out the time. You know, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. If you have an idea for a guest on a future episode of the Digital Irish Podcast, please email hello at digitalirish.com. Here's a preview of our next episode. What I would say, let's say you're into the US, right? I would first look to the diaspora network. I think that is a really unique advantage. There's this kind of ingrained compulsion to support other Irish, which I found incredible. I think that it's important to kind of understand the difference in approach in the US um, versus Ireland. And the best way to do that is tap into the Irish network. I would start tapping into that network as a first thing. Thank you as always for listening. Please do share this podcast if you found it interesting. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.